Gaining and Maintaining an Eternal Mindset, next on Abounding Grace. The more that I find that my heart just groans over the situations that sin has done. Sin has devastated humanity and this planet more than we realize. And it's an ever-growing understanding. And so what Paul is saying here in Romans 8 is that we groan Christians in hope. We groan in hope. The hope that we have, though, is not earthly. It's heavenly. It's not temporary. It's eternal. And that's really what I believe Paul is trying to tell us here. That we would leave today with more of eternity on our hearts and on our minds. This is amazing grace. This is We live in a world full of bad news, and we're reminded of that every time we turn on the news. From mass shootings to viruses that seem out of control or people dying unexpectedly. And if this is all there was to look forward to, there would be no hope. But today on Abounding Grace, we'll see the hope we have in Jesus Christ and what awaits us in heaven. As Pastor Ed Taylor said a moment ago, we pray you're left with an encouraged heart as you think about all that God has for you. We'll be covering Romans chapter 8 and verses 19 through 25 in part two of Pastor Ed's message, Groaning in Hope. You know, listen, as the world gets older, things begin to thin out. Did you know that? Ozone layers tops of humans' heads, things thin out. It's the way it is. Things wear down. And we have a society that says, listen, things are going crazy. We need to save the spotted owl. I mean, pull out all the stops. We've got to save that owl. We've got to make sure that the jumping kangaroo rats have a place to live. I remember a process when we were looking for property here in Aurora. There was a big thing about those little rat dogs. What do they call them? Prairie dogs. That if we found a piece of property that was infested with those things, we couldn't just like have a hunting day, you know? We couldn't have one of those days. We, we couldn't just try to catch them with our hands. We would have to hire a professional with this big truck. It's a big vacuum cleaner thing, and they'd suck them up, 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 up. And I don't even know where they'd put them. What are they, like, you know, they, is there like a big prairie dog colony somewhere? Oh, it's another delivery, you know, the population. I don't understand, but I remember that if we had to do that, it would have been thousands and thousands of dollars and delay after delay. So part of our prayer was, Lord, find us some property without those rat dogs on there. Or prairie dogs, sorry. <laughs> the curse will not be lifted by legislation, but by the return of Jesus Christ. And you and I need to reject this secular humanism that says man is all there is, and this world is all there is. Does that give us permission to destroy God's earth and trash it? No way. But it is a warning to us to look for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only do we groan, not only does creation groan, but notice verse 23, we groan too. We groan, it says, not only they, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that's not seen, hope that is seen is not hope. 
For why does one still hope for what he sees? Do you groan? I mean, really, do you groan? Because you think the earth is wearing down. Have you noticed your body lately? I mean, I walk down our stairs in our house, and it sounds like I'm walking on sticks. And it's my knees. <laughs> my knees are messed up. I remember as a young man, I would be told, you know, my parents would tell me, hey, you know, your body's not going to always be that good. It's going to wear down. You're going to have aches and pains like me. And I used to think, no way. Just like some of you young people right now, you're thinking, no way. My body's never going to wear out. Listen, it is going to wear out. You are going to groan. Your back is going to ache. Your knees are going to talk. Your ankles are going to hurt. Your headaches will continue. Our bodies are wearing out. They aren't what they once were. You could say that our bodies are wearing out and wearing thin. They aren't what they used to be. Hey, hold your places. Flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because the Bible does describe and give a picture of our bodies. It's a great picture. Our bodies are called tents. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. They're likened to tents. Verse 1. 2 Corinthians 5, 1, it says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. It's a tent. That's what our bodies liken to, a tent. It reminds me of camping. Camping. A lot of people are into camping. I don't get it. I don't understand it, but a lot of you are into camping. My idea of camping is renting an RV with air conditioning and a satellite dish and going to hang out. That's it. I don't get the whole camping thing. But when we moved to Colorado, we thought, hey, it's an outdoor state. We should try this outdoor thing. Let's go buy a tent. And so we did. We bought a tent, a big tent. Got a couple rooms in it. I mean, it, we got the big tent, man. I want my kids over here. I want, I, you know, the dog over here. And Marie and I get the front room or whatever. You know, we, we've used it twice maybe, you know, tents. It was cool. I mean, if you like sleeping on rocks and, uh, you know, putting the kids in another room in a tent, it, like... Have you seen the walls? It's like the size of, you know, paper. You can hear everything. The kids are screaming and crying. It's a little tent. Now think about it. As good of a tent you might have, those of you who are going camping, you're going to go camping or camp out in a couple weeks, and, and you're all excited about it. You're going to take the tent. And it's great for a week, but would you want to live in a tent? No way. Our attitudes aren't like, hey, you know, we're moving to Colorado, honey. Let's find a good tent, man. <laughs> you know, let's find a tent to live in. We can put our little address on there. You know, why don't we just sell the house? Honey, Pastor, I was talking about tents. We can go get a good tent over at Sports Authority. We can live in a tent the rest of our life, and then we can move whenever we wanted to move. And she's like, I'm not moving out of the house. You're going to sleep in a tent in the backyard. How about that? Tents. We don't want to live in tents. Tents aren't comfortable. Tents aren't made for, meant for a lasting place to live. Our bodies are like those tents. They get uncomfortable at times. They're beset to weaknesses and sicknesses. And when we think of our bodies, we praise the Lord that, well, our bodies will be replaced with a new body in Jesus Christ. That one day, all the wrongs of your body will be made right. All the aches and pains will go away. For those of you that lost your hair at an early age, I mean, your hair is going to be, man, in heaven. We're going to look at you and go, man, you look good. You look good on earth, but man, you really look good now. Wow. All the wrongs about our bodies, all the sicknesses, all the pains, that's hope. We don't just groan in our bodies, though. I mean, we groan about a lot of things. We groan, well, we groan over the effects of sin, don't we? It doesn't take much to watch the news today and just 
your heart, you just, you're out of words. You see so much of it. You just, what are you going to say now? Two little guys going on and riding a go-kart in their grandma's street, and, and some guy comes and runs them over and then runs away. I don't even have words to describe that. I've run out of words. I just find myself groaning. Oh, not again, Lord. Not another family that's hurt. Not another sorrow. Last night, even before the study, I found myself groaning over a sister who had come up to me during worship and said, Ed, I just need somebody to pray for me because a good friend of mine just died in Iraq. My heart groans. I don't even have words. I just want to get her to the throne room of God. We groan over sin. We groan over people hurting, over people dying. We groan over the struggles that people are in the midst of. We groan over the depressions people feel and and the sicknesses and, and on and on the list goes. While we're in this tent, we will groan. And what I found in the years that I have lived on this earth is that the more years that clock on my odometer, the more I groan, the more I see, the more that touches my heart, the more I care, the more concern that comes to me, the the more that I find that my heart just groans over the situations that sin has done. Sin has devastated humanity and this planet more than we realize. And it's an ever-growing understanding. And so what Paul is saying here in Romans 8 is that we groan Christians in hope. We groan in hope. The hope that we have, though, is not earthly. It's heavenly. It's not temporary It's eternal. And that's really what I believe Paul is trying to tell us here. That we would leave today with more of eternity on our hearts and on our minds. He says that we were saved, verse 24, in this hope, back in Romans 8. But hope that is seen, well, that's not really hope. But verse 25, if we hope for what we do not see, then we eagerly wait for it. That revelation of God, that coming of Jesus Christ, the glory that will be revealed, we eagerly wait for it. Would you turn over to Matthew chapter 6 as we wind down this morning? Get your eyes on eternity, Paul says. Get your eyes on eternity, John says. Get your eyes on eternity, James says. Get your eyes on eternity, Isaiah and Daniel. And on and on, the scripture writers tell us, get your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes heavenward. Keep your eyes on eternity. Well, Jesus says the same thing. I draw your attention to verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is teaching the disciples here. He's teaching us as disciples. And he says very clearly, very plainly, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where, in Mark verse 21, circle it, put a star next to it, memorize it, because it's true. Where your treasure is, where my treasure is, where our treasure is, our hearts, he says, will be there also. It's absolutely true. In its specific context, Jesus is speaking of our material possessions. He's talking about what we have materially, financially. He says, don't lay it up here on earth because it's going to rust out. It's going to be destroyed. You're going to lose it. You can't take it on into eternity. But rather be a good steward of what you have and lay it up in heaven. Send it on before. But by way of application, it can apply to anything in our lives. We treasure all sorts of things. 
above and beyond God. Sometimes I find people that treasure their career too much. It ruins their marriage. I find people that treasure their kids too much, and it ruins the dynamic of God in their home. I've seen people treasure their cars and treasure their gadgets and treasure all sorts of things. So by way of application, God is saying, get your eyes, get your eyes on eternity. Be good stewards of what you have. It's been said, Scripture tells us that what's looking for, God's looking for in stewards is that he or she be found faithful, that we be faithful with what's been given to us. In light of giving, so much of the church today has made giving a way to get something from God. Just this Friday, I was in the office, and there was a gal studying, reading her Bible in the cafe, and, you know, in the office, we're running around taking care of things, and, and, and the Lord just impressed upon my heart to go over and talk to her. And, and as I did, and we paused in her Bible study, we started talking about some of the things that are going on in her life, and how, how she was going through a financial situation, and some false teacher along the way had told her, you know, when you're going through bad times financially, you really need to give a good gift. I mean, you need to sow a seed out of your need, was her exact words. And I said, that is so not true. And I opened the scriptures of 2 Corinthians and showed her how untrue it was. She says, you can't give to so God can give to you. You need to be a good steward of what you have. Hey, you, know, you want to be good and faithful with your giving, but, but don't ever think that your giving is going to move God. God's faithful to us, gang. But the sad thing is, is that coming from the church that she came from, that she was describing as giving multiple offerings, one where you had to wave your tithe in the air so everybody could know that you're tithing and you do this, and multiple offerings, what broke my, you want to talk about groaning, after we was talk, done talking about the scriptures and I was helping understand and showing her in her Bible where it says and just kind of teaching her through that, I said, you know, I'm glad you're here because it's a good time for us to teach you and help you understand. She says, you know, I'm glad here because at last church, you know, I just, it came to the place where I couldn't afford to go to their church anymore. Is that wrong or what? You couldn't afford to go to church. Is that the Jesus we read of scriptures who is a, a friend of sinners? The Jesus that told us freely receive, freely give? That broke my heart. And so when we think of giving, you understand God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our money. So uh, tithes and offerings and all that, it's a way for the church to raise money. No, it's not. God doesn't need our money. But in our hearts, we need to give. Because every time we give, we give a little bit of selfishness away. And every time we give, we give a little bit of our control away. And every time we give, we give a little bit of our, we're going to be self-sufficient, we're going to take care of things, it's all on our shoulders, and I'm the one that needs to give consistently. I'm the one that needs to give generously. God doesn't really need my money. Giving and tithes and offerings is not God's way of raising cash. I believe it's God's way of raising kids, spiritual disciples. I'm sure if I drew a line down the middle of this room today and we talked about issues in your life, upside down homes and marriages gone awry and financial issues, and I asked you guys to go on one side or the other, there would be a very good chance that a majority of things going on in your life are directly related to the reality that you're not faithful in giving. I guarantee it, that you're not faithful in that area, that you have forgotten somehow that you're a steward, that all that you have belongs to God, all of it. And he doesn't ask you to bring all of it. He says, I want you to bring a portion so you honor me. I want you to understand that you don't own everything, that I could take it all away in a moment. 
I've met man after man, business owner after business owner in our church that say, man, there was a time when my business was multi-million dollars and I have nothing today. Because God, he gives and he takes away. And so when we think of giving, giving not only helps us in getting away, and it's not just money. I mean, that's not the issue here. It could be in your life. That's why it's so heavy on you right now. But that's not just that. It's time. It's ministering. You know, there's this wave today where now, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's our humanity, but we'll give if we get something back for it. You know, I'll really help you because I'm really good at that, but I'll help you if you give me. And we've lost this sense of all the gifts and all the talents and all the understanding in our heart are not ours. Well, you know, I'll, I'll help you with that, but, but you know, it's going to cost you. Why? Why is it going to have to cost me? We'll get calls and go, can, can, we have, can we sit down with counseling? Absolutely, make an appointment. How much does it cost? It doesn't cost anything. Nothing. We will help you in this church for nothing. Freely we receive, freely we give. We'll help you because we love you. What has happened in the church today? in the church at large that says, you know, I'll help you, but you better give me something. We've got to trade here. I mean, that's how I was in the world. That's how I was in the world. That's how I lived. I'll do something for you, but you've got to do double for me. I'll do something for you, but I've got to measure up whether you're worth my time or not. You know, I've got this special skill, or I went to school for this, and you don't, and I know that you really need me, and that's how the world operates, not the church of Jesus Christ. And so we groan, don't we? But we groan over times where, well, we're not following along with having an eternal heart like God wants us. Because, you know, my heart will wander. There'll be times when I stray away. There'll be times when I don't feel good today, when I'm battling different issues. I don't sense the Lord's presence in my life. You ever have days like that? You're just like going through it. My heart drifts. And I have to ask myself the question, where is my treasure? Where is it? Is it laid up in a closet somewhere? Is it hoarded somewhere where I'm only concerned about earth? I'm only concerned about today. I'm only concerned about what's going on in my life. Or do I realize that I'm an eternal person in Jesus Christ? That Jesus, he gave his best for you and for me. And if we lay up our treasures on earth, then that's all we're going to care about is earth. We won't care about other people. We only care about our things and our stuff. And that's a heavy word to all of us that live in the United States. We care a lot about stuff. It's too bad. And yet, at the same time, God can work in our hearts in such a way where we don't care. We start to give away and let go. Open our hands a little bit and say, you know, I'm just a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm going to do what he tells me to do when he tells me to do it. And all that I have, I'm going to lay up in heaven. I'm going to lay up in eternity because I know moth isn't going to touch it there. Rust isn't going to touch it there. I'm not going to do things for others so I can get back from them. I'm just going to do things because Jesus has done for me. I'm just going to present myself a servant to you, God. And if you give me a special talent, then I'm going to go help this single mom that can't do it. I'm not going to ask anything in return. I don't want anything. I just, I just want to spend some time loving people and serving. I just want, I want your heart, Jesus. I, I watch you walking around in the New Testament, Jesus, and I don't see you ever demanding anything from anyone, but simply drawing them with your cords and your bonds of love. We groan, but we groan in hope. I mean, it gets to the place where really the summary is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus says this. He says, Ed, Calvary Chapel, those that are listening in on the radio, tune in on the web right now, this is what he says to us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We've got it backwards. We seek everything else and put the kingdom last. And then we find out we don't really have anything, do we? 
We have nothing. And life just passes us by. But no more. Life doesn't have to pass us by. We don't have to get stumbled and tripped up with these little things. And Jesus says the key is this. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because where your treasure is, your heart will follow. Absolutely 100%. Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And with that, we'll draw today's program to a close. But don't go away. Pastor Ed will be right back. If you'd like to hear today's message again, log on to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, we're on the web at AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can also download our free app and access our teachings that way. Search for Calvary Aurora. Pastor Ed, each month you select a book that we offer here on the program that we believe can really be helpful to our listeners. Here in March, it's The Man God Uses. Can you give us a brief rundown of what's contained in it? When the book The Man God Uses, Larry, there are 14 characteristics of a godly man. Now, don't let the title press you away, ladies. It could easily say the man or the woman that God uses, 14 characteristics of that godly person. And Pastor Chuck Smith is the founder of Calvary Chapel, and God has used his simple yet profound teachings to develop and train us over the years. And I love to introduce new resources from Pastor Chuck Smith to people that haven't read his books or or been discipled by him. And this is one of them. This is one of the books that we give to someone when they say, I, I, hey, I think I, God wants to use me. And, and I, I think God is doing a work in me in it. And, you, and so you hand the book out to him and go, look, read this. And when you're done, come back and let's talk about it. From the book, it says, do you want to become an instrument that God uses to accomplish his will? In this inspiring book, Chuck Smith examines the personal characteristics of the people God used throughout the scriptures. What made these people so different that God chose them? With remarkable insight, Chuck reveals five essential components of prayer, the danger of a lukewarm gospel, the secret to the apostles' boldness, and other things on these characteristics. I, I used one of them, by the way, yesterday with some discipleship with our team. I used the principles that were given to us in Acts chapter 6, when they were looking for men to serve the church in the distribution of the clothing and the food to the widows. And we learn some of that right here in this book. So get it. Whether you get it from us and support the ministry, you pick it up on on Amazon. And our bookstore at Calvary Church is open again. So if you're in the Denver metro area, our bookstore is open after services. And we always have copies of this book. Get it. It will bless you, encourage you. We're living in the last days, and we need to be ready, prepared, and trained for all that God has for us. We'll send you a copy of The Man God Uses by Chuck Smith when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Be sure to ask for your copy when you call 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. Well, Pastor Ed, not long ago, you wrote an article in response to what we're dealing with as a nation regarding COVID-19. Would you give our listeners a condensed version of that? You know, Larry, uh, this whole thing with the coronavirus is causing a lot of uh, discouragement and difficulty and fear. And I took a moment on my personal website, edtaylor.org, uh, to write a note to encourage people. I know there's a lot out there and there's a lot to be read, but I was just real encouraged by Pastor Chuck Smith when he was teaching through the book in Second Timothy and and how Paul felt so alone and how, how Paul felt so so isolated 
in his circumstances. And we were reminded that God is with us. And that, that's just what I wanted to convey, that no matter what we're going through, whether it's centered on the virus and the difficulty of the virus, or it's the virus and everything, the way the way the response has been has just made other things so much more worse. Um, you know, I, I mean, just thinking of, I got one note, I got a lot of notes, but one of the notes I received was from a dad who, because of the way that the, the response to the virus, he wasn't able to go to the hospital to see his own newborn. And it's just been so hard. And it, on that article, I wanted to share a little bit. It's very quick. It's an easy read. Um, just a quick reminder. Somebody stumbles across it. Maybe you want to go to go read it right now. Is a reminder that God is with us. He hasn't abandoned us. And that he has a plan and a purpose for our life. And it's often in the darkest of times that we really recognize and acknowledge the presence of God. So I appreciate you asking. And that article is up on edtaylor.org. If you'd like to read what Pastor Ed wrote recently on the subject of the coronavirus, visit edtaylor.org. We'll put a bookmark where we left off today in Romans and join us next time for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor as there's so much more to come. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.